And welcome to iProtest. This is Donald Jeffries talking to you. Hopefully, I, uh, you're hearing me. I am doing this on my own today. I, our, you know, our uh, superhero producer, Tony Arterburn, is flexing his muscles in Mexico at a conference. Billy Ray Valentine is working, and he's ably pitched in, and he's helping me. He's going to be there to hold my hand if I need him, which is quite possible. But I clicked the go live button, so hopefully you guys are hearing us. So welcome to iProtest. Uh, you just you know, we come to you every Friday this time, 5 p.m. Eastern from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C. No opening music or theme today, so you'll have to listen to me. Uh, guest today is um, a guy who I, I, I was uh, interviewed by a while back uh, on another show, and uh, he's been looking at my work for a long time, and he has a very interesting family connection, too, which is especially timely now, just after the Super Bowl. So... Uh, Patrick Chanel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Donald. No, it's my pleasure. So you're you're an interesting guy, or you have a fascinating, uh, you said, family connection there, and you're also obviously in our world. Uh, you interviewed me at one point, so you're obviously you're down these rabbit holes. So we're going to talk about whatever comes up, but certainly we'll we'll touch on the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl shooting as well. Okay, Karen Carpenter says sound and video good. Good. So we're live. Okay, so we're actually here. That's good to know. Um, so Patrick, tell you know, first of all, how, how did you? Uh, we'll talk about your family in a little bit, but how, how did you come to? Uh, I always ask people how they, uh, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm sure you know how old your brother is. You're not that old, so uh, how? I'm the oldest. Uh, I'm the oldest. I'm 41. Oh, okay, you're older than I thought you were. Okay, so you're 41. You're still a youngster. So. <laughs> Um, and anyhow, so how did you get into this, uh, this world? I've, I've been in this world since the mid 1970s as a teenager. I was uh, working for Mark Lane's citizens committee of inquiry. JFK assassination was my baby. And that led me on all these other, uh, wayward paths. But what, what made you enter this, this world of the conspiracy world? Well, I think it started with my father. Uh, he had, a lot to say about uh, what was going on in the world. I'd watch news on television and he would always have an alternative opinion about what's cool. being presented. Mm -hmm. So I would say I first got it from him. I had an, his uncle, his uncle used to talk to him a lot about certain things, uh, secret government type things, you know, what mm. hidden behind the government and, and, and the news media, what, what presented as the government to us so yeah and I would go to these meetings with my dad in the Twin Cities area in Minneapolis St. Paul area um, they would I could I think you could basically describe them as Patriot meetings at least that's they were the way they were presented to me when I was a youngster really young you know and I'd tag along he'd, he'd bring me with and I'd meet all sorts of characters telling me about how people are controlling things, how you're being spied on through things such as computers and telephones and, and this mm -hmm. and that. And it's like, well, I, I never understood why people would do that, but I, I got the concept. And I think what really kind of brought me into it, the whole alternative media was a friend of my dad's was big into ham radio and amateur radio. And he, he asked me if I wanted to set up a micro FM broadcasting radio station, have my own kind of hometown radio station. And he told me that 
this uh, shortwave radio host down in Arizona named William Cooper was helping oh, yes. to provide him with uh, equipment to do this. And he was doing it with thousands of people throughout the country. So your, your father, did he know, did he know Bill? Bill Cooper is a legendary name in the conspiracy world. Well, my father didn't know him personally, but my friend Joel Shangra, that was his name. He used to go down there and visit with Bill. And yeah, I had exposure to him through that. And that got me into the whole <laughs> looking at things differently type of uh, mentality. And I, from there, I just, you know, I set up a radio station and uh, got into, you know, micro broadcasting. It was like a hobby more than anything. I was, you know, I was probably about 17 years old when I was doing it. Um, we, so, yeah, from there, I had all sorts of, uh, you know, like when 9-11 happened, mm -hmm. the, the first reaction was, well, this isn't what's being presented to us. Like the official narrative to this obviously isn't. I remember attentively listening to William Cooper's broadcasts during that time. And that was toward the end of his life. In fact, he died within a couple months, a few months of uh, the 9-11 attacks. And, and okay. anyone who do, who does, I'm sure you know this, but and I'm sure my audience knows it too. But but Bill Cooper went out as as appropriately as any conspiracy theorist can. Uh, he was, you know, he died in a sh shootout on, on his property with law enforcement. So uh, very, uh, very, just very uh, appropriate, I guess, fitting. I mean, tragic, but that's uh, you know that's what happened. Yeah, and looking back on it with these ears and listening back to his old broadcast, it's so much more revealing than what I knew then. I had no idea what extent it was, to, to what extent the uh, the arm of this uh, cabal was playing with things in the, in the world. So yeah, he, he definitely knew it was coming. He, he'd announce it, you can hear in his old broadcasts, he's like, yeah, someday it's gonna happen, but you know, I'm standing up for truth and, and what I believe is right. So, and I commend him for that sticking up and saying, hey, we don't need to listen to the mainstream media. We can create our own media companies. We don't have to follow them. We we can form our own politics and contemplate what we want to think about. I wanted, I wanted to flash a picture of your brother up on the screen, but yeah, this is a new conspiracy. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, when you try to, you, if you type in, uh, the, Patrick's brother is Leo Chanel, who's a, a really good young defensive player for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, I, I'm just typing in Leo Chanel, KC Chiefs under images, and nothing but uh, everything comes up as Kelsey or Mahomes. <laughs> I mean, I, wow. <laughs> let me I, try looked up, I looked that up a few weeks ago to see if I could find my brother in any pictures that they take for promo. Well, I, mean, I found one should, good one. Yeah. One, you, go ahead. Yeah, no, I said you should be. Uh, let's see. Okay, here it is. Let's, let's see if I can find it here. Maybe Google will work better. Okay, uh, I think. Uh, and to be honest with you, like I, I was telling you before okay, the yeah. broadcast. Number fifty-four. Here he is. Okay, yeah. Okay, we got that. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to, uh, see if I can share that. I'm not great at this, so let me try doing this. Uh, I'm going to try sharing the screen here. People know just to, because um, I wanted to show some videos later too. It's nice having okay. a producer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I need, I, I need, I need somebody. To, my wife will tell you that I need somebody to hold my hand with pretty much anything. Okay, are you seeing that there? Yes, I am. Yep, that's him. 
that's him, my brother. That, yep. Okay, so that's Leah Chanel. So that's, that's that's pretty cool. It's not every day you get to talk to uh, somebody whose uh, brother is an NFL player. So obviously you're much uh, you must be very proud of him, as you yes. should be. Have you talked to him since the Super Bowl? I have not, but I've talked with my stepmother, and uh, he was he's doing fine. Uh, my family's doing fine. There were no uh, problems after it, after the uh, <clears throat> a couple of days ago when they had the parade. There was no problems with them, but they, you know, it was kind of uh, frightening for them. Well, uh, I bet though you 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 mentioned what you you mentioned in an email to me something. Your brother thought it was what, what was your brother's opinion? You said he thought it was ridiculous or something about the shooting. What what did he have to say about that? Well, he didn't really say much of anything as far as I know, but uh, he. He did end up phoning my sister, who my, you know, my younger, his, she's younger than him. She was there at the, at the parade in the crowd. And he basically told her to just calmly go home, mm-hmm. <laughs> that there was an, there was a shooting and to not make a big scene and, but just to, to go home and, and uh, get as far as far away from there as you could, uh, as she could. So she did, and she ended up seeing someone running after, you know, she after she was alerted, and then she, she asked what was going on, and she said the, the woman running told her that uh, she had been running for about, I don't know, quite a long time, because I, I think it was a distance away from where she was at at the time, so... Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. So, so did did she? Uh, has has anybody talked to her? I just wondered since she was there, uh, what, did she see anything else significant, or what were her impressions of it? Other than that, uh, she didn't see anything uh, regarding regarding what happened. I think a lot of what happened was near that Union Station where the stage was set up mm-hmm. for the uh, team when they went up and gave their speeches. So, so she, I don't think I don't think she was near there at the time, but I, I haven't really talked much with them since then. I have more, I'll have plenty of questions though when I do talk to them. Oh, I bet. Now, does, it, does it does anybody in your family besides your father share your uh, inclinations? Are they suspicious of things or? Yeah, um, I would say I would say I have. Um, well, it, yeah, I guess. Really, when you when you come to think of it, I have maybe my my mom's and you know would definitely question what's going on. Um, uh, really, though, now that you make me think about it a little more, there really aren't that many people that I know that I'm besides on the internet that I can talk to <laughs> on this level. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> welcome to the world. And that's why I'm I'm amazed because in my case, I, you know. My son, who's probably listening because he's the only one in the family that listens to the show, uh, is the only one who's awake in my family besides me. I mean, no one else. I, so, yeah, if, if I say any of this stuff, they just roll their eyes or they think I'm crazy. Some of them have canceled me over COVID and so forth. So I'm amazed that you have a good relationship because this, you know, going well, down these rabbit holes can cause, uh, you know, dick, dysfunction and breakups in families. Yeah, and well, since this whole incident has happened, I would say my stepmom has been a little bit more receptive. Uh, she's been actually a lot more receptive to things like what I'm talking about, uh, what I know about and studied regarding, you know, false flags, uh, even just like just tragedies that happened and, and what causes them and the different political motives and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, 
through through talking with my dad obviously she she knows what's going on a bit more than most people do and uh, yeah that inquisitive mind you, you it's hard to find most people just want to yes. do their job and move on and and live the best life that they can and not have to concern themselves with what they consider other people's problems and so just, wait, well this this is just uh, this i want to play this this one video sure. here this is this is not that long a video and uh, this says Kansas City police, several people shot near scene of Chiefs victory parade, two suspects declined. And uh, the guy posting it, a dangerous goy, so you know where he's coming from, <laughs> fits a lot of my audience. Fake yeah. drama, CBS reports on EMS moving a wounded person to an ambulance or to receive first aid. Look closely, there's no one on the stretcher. Okay, so let me share the screen here. So basically what this guy is saying is that uh, they're showing, they're claiming that uh let's see hold on is this the right one yeah this is it okay uh, basically they're claiming they're they're portraying this as a, a patient being wheeled away on a stretcher and this guy's contention is that no one is on the stretcher so uh let you know what you think you're going to play this sure and the evacuation of party goers has turned into a mass exodus by people literally scared for their lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, here we go. Here are some other criminal deaths on a stretcher being rushed, uh, presumably to an ambulance uh, or to somewhere where they can uh, receive some first aid. Uh, but you're right, Carol. Oh, I hope that. Let's play that again. I, I, that was pretty quick. And the evacuation of party goers has turned into a mass exodus by people literally scared for their lives. Oh yeah, I mean, well, here some other. I don't know. Something is on that stretcher. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell. They're bundled I, up, and I, and yeah. you look there though. That nobody's really bundled up that much. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. So I, I don't know what the audience thinks. We'll see what the chat room has to say. But uh, what, what are your opinions, everyone? Uh, Karen Carpenter says, good guess. I missed a false flag. Let me know if there's, you guys could see it on the uh, <clears throat> in the chat. I mean, it, it, we've run into this with several of these. I, I'm sure you probably remember the, uh, I think it was the LAX uh, shooting where uh, from a distance, they it sure looked like they were, I mean, for some reason they were wheeling someone like down a highway or something they claim was a victim. And it, if it wasn't a mannequin, I don't know what it was. I've never seen a human being look like that, but I don't know if you've seen that one or not. And, uh, but that's, that's kind of what it reminded me of. There was something there, but it didn't look like a human being. I, I may have, I've seen so many of these, they all kind of blend together after a certain point. You see, you see these, uh, events yes. and it's, it, it's, it's hard to say what's going on and if, how they're deceiving people. Cause it's, it's, it's theater. It's all, it's stage managed. A lot of this stuff is stage managed, I would say. Absolutely. In, in my um, humble opinion. No, there's no question about that. So what did, um, so you, you interviewed me a while back and. Um, yes. And yeah, uh, that was fun. I so thank what, you very much was, for that too. Oh, my pleasure. What was that show? And then tell us about your because you're going to start your own podcast, right? Talk us about that. I'm thinking up. of it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm seriously going to start doing some interviews. I filled in. I was asked. I had been doing some work for SpeakFreeRadio.com, and I I was in contact with Dennis Fecho. He's right now. He's in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, where he works. He gives classes on different. Um, 
certain uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what classes he used to do but I know he does uh, he teaches over there and he asked me to fill in for him he's got a weekly show on Saturdays in the morning at 10 p.m. Central and I filled in for his three-hour show called Inside the Eye Live with Dennis Fetcho. Yeah. And yeah, we had a good time. Usually he talks about current events. He'll talk about the weather at the beginning and then talk about current events. Uh, usually usually he's very um, explicit about naming Jews as a problem for the world. And, yeah. you know, I, crowd. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I like what he has to say. So I, I kept up with him and he... He contacted me. He said, like, "Hey, you want to take over my show? I, I gotta go to a, a, an exhibition in Paris, and I'll be flying back on that day back to Saudi Arabia." So I said, "Okay, yeah, I'll take your show." And I'd see, I had um, you were you were the first person that popped into my mind as somebody that could be in a caliber of show that's like oh, you got regular listeners and and fairly, fairly... i'm a crossover guy yeah well i i hear i listen i've listened to you i seem Jeff. sane enough you know well i've listened to you for years and i i where i first was exposed to your work was through jeff rents yes who's yes. a legend of absolute course. legend yeah I'm, I'm very grateful that uh that he gives me that platform he does and you know rents reach is uh is more is large. I mean, Ranch, you got to realize, was a, a, incredible with his mindset and uh, that he was a, a mainstream anchor. He was a local news anchor at one of the big stations in Las Vegas, I think, one of the major networks. Yes. And he knew lots of you know famous people. When I was talking about how much I love Frank Capra, he sent me pictures of him with Frank Capra when he was young and stuff. And I said, oh, wow, I really envy you. But uh, uh, my sister, I have two sisters that are much older than me. And uh, one sister that's 16 years older than me uh, told me that her friend, I remember him as a little kid, a little boy. Uh, they used to go bowling together and I, I haven't seen him in decades. And uh, he told her that he was driving through, he lives in Las Vegas and he was driving or no, I'm sorry. It was uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. I think. He was driving around and uh, he heard uh, Don Jeffries come on the radio and it was rents. And uh, he said, is that your brother? So, I don't know. Wrench doesn't even know how many radio stations he's on, but he he managed to reach some guy I hadn't seen in decades or something. So uh, it's uh, oh, oh yeah, it's like that it's a, micro broadcasting thing Cooper was doing. You wouldn't you wouldn't realize how many people are uh, using their stations as a repeater for other people's shows and, and whatnot. So I, I can imagine that someone like Wrench, you know, he's reliable. He's he's got a schedule he keeps. I don't know how he does it for so many years and decades. I don't either. But, I don't uh, either. Three hours a night, every weekday. That's amazing. It uh, is. It... Nobody else is doing that. You know, Rush Limbaugh, okay, he was doing that somewhat, but uh, that's a different story. He was a little bit more compromised. Oh, actually. and... and uh, but, not know, a little he, bit. He was. He yes, was definitely. But you, I mean, how... how I mean, I, I, I have... I, I still... Ha I had respect for him talking for three hours or whatever every, every day. We almost never had guests. So it, it takes something, to, and he had he didn't really he had Mr. Snurdly, I guess the guy, but he didn't really have anybody to bounce things off like Howard Stern as a cast of characters he can, you know, he can engage with. But uh, so I had to admire, and David Knight, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he's uh, yeah, he's we're, prolific we're, too. Yeah, we're all fans of his, and he he does this, and he I've I've been on a show, and you know, several of us have, but uh, most of the time he doesn't, he does most of it by himself. So I, I admire that. Um, 
Yeah, he's one I never really got into, but I do. I do. As time has gone on, I've I've kind of come around to him because I you know, I used to think that oh he's he was on Alex's Jones, Alex Jones's Infowars, and I'm like I've, right. got, I've got since the falling out that Alex Jones had with William Cooper back in the day. Yes, I've had kind of a suspicion of Alex Jones that never went away, and I just haven't really. Fo- I followed him when he did that interview with Pierce Morgan. Where right. He, well, it was fun. <laughs> Seventeen seventy-six. He's a, he's an entertainer. However you look at it, that exactly. guy, yeah. he may be compromised, but he is entertaining as hell. I mean, there's no question about that. He's 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 engaging and. People watch him. Uh, that Karen Carpenter says John B. Wells has. Uh, yeah, Karen, I was on John B. Wells's uh, Caravan to Midnight three or four times, uh, but he hasn't asked me for a long time. I don't know why. Yeah, they carry but, they carry him on Speak Free Radio every weeknight. Uh, well, not every. They used to do it every weeknight, every couple, a couple days a week now. He's got a voice dripping with testosterone, as I say. For somebody that's voice never changed oh, yeah. like he's mine, got, really. He's got that, uh, <laughs> he's welcome got the... to the caravan. <laughs> I said, man, I'm, I'm intimidated just talking to you, man. <clears throat> you know, I got this little 12-year-old voice still. But uh, He's uh, got that good compression. He's got a good compressor for his microphone, that's for sure. And, of course, he's, he's famously... Uh, Took over uh, for Art Bell. Yeah, but he he's in his caravan to midnight. The uh, His most interesting show, I think was uh, the one with Dave McGowan, the late great Dave McGowan, I'm sure you're familiar with. It was lots of people have compared I've never read his book, but I'm familiar with his interviews. I've listened to his interviews before. Yeah, very yeah. well. So if you saw that show, it was wonderful. Best thing ever done on the Boston bombing because uh, he had lots of photographs up. I, you know, analyzed it and everything, how questionable it was. And uh, Dave, he was coughing a lot. He didn't look great and uh, smoking incessantly, which he did. And uh, it, you know, it was very shortly after that where he, he got the, the Jack Ruby type of uh, galloping cancer, supposedly, and then dies on November 22nd of all days uh, in the JFK anniversary. Mm-hmm. So uh, very, but that, that interview is very worthwhile to see. But I think that's, uh, you know, again. Yeah, the first it, time I heard him was with Tim Kelly on oh, in Our Interesting Times. It was quite good. But you know, I've been on Tim Kelly many yes, times. I do. So, yeah. Yes, I <laughs> I, I like yeah. Tim Kelly. I, you know, I've never spoken with him before. He's kind of a aloof character in my, you know, as far as being able to contact him and whatnot. But uh, I, li- I really like his stuff. And his stuff with E. Michael Jones and other people are just well. E. Michael you know, Jones, classic. you know, uh, Jason Whitlock. I talk him up all the time. Maybe he'll hear someday. But uh, and talking, and he's a crossover in the sports too. I, I don't yes. know how I would have never thought that this this former black sports writer from Kansas City <laughs> who was on ESPN, did the undefeated, was, you know, uh, typically the sports media is worse than the news media. I mean, there's literally not even any token conservatives, you know, even mainstream conservatives. Everyone is a woke liberal in sports media. I mean, everyone. Yeah, it, just, it just is. It's been that way for decades. But Whitlock, yeah, Whit- Whitlock's black guy talking about sports You've got to listen to his fearless podcast. It's the next best show next to my own. I protest. No, it's 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 yeah. it's great. It's um he is. I watch it every night now, and uh, he, I mean, yeah, I don't agree with him on everything, but he he's the only one because he's black. He really criticizes black talk black talk, uh, pathology and toxic culture. No one else touches it, and he you know he's just. Uh, eviscerating Stephen A. Smith, 
that few they have. I mean, he's got this thing where he showed what, what an investigative journalist can do. And he is an investigative journalist. He just did a little bit of homework and it doesn't take much if you had the resources to do it. And he destroyed Stephen A. Smith's claims about being a college basketball player. Absolutely. I mean, he showed it was an absolute lie. And so Stephen A. Smith is beside himself. And this is maybe the most obnoxious guy in the sports media. So a lot of us love seeing it, but I, I would suggest that people, uh, Watch that. And why did I bring Jason Whitlock up? See, this is e. Michael what I, Jones. E. Michael, uh, Jones. E. Michael Jones. Yes, he had E. Michael Jones on there not that long ago, which was Chris Buckin. Uh, do you, what do you think of E. Michael? Because uh, uh, here's Chris Buckin in the chat. This is, this is the go-to guy for any Jewish news is Chris Buckin. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Chris, what, what, what do you think? <laughs> Tell me what you think of E. Michael Jones. I'm sure he's probably, you know, I'm sure it's, it's, you know, he's a limited hangout or something. But Jason Whitlock having him on that show was that was fearless because I mean that guy talked about nothing but Jewish power and how much they I mean it was it was amazing and Whitlock, I don't think he knew what to expect exactly though yeah he kind of looked like a deer in the headlights at some points I thought I thought and that, but that was good and he's it's like wow this guy knows more than I thought is kind of what the, the impression I yeah. got from Jason Whitlock in that interview yeah I think there's a reason why he uh, he named it uh, you know fearless because. Uh, he, for the most part, I mean, he had he had a um, a guy. Uh, God, I'm blanking out on his name now. My son's listening. He's in, you know, the the uh, the guy that used to be on there was his most radical guy, uh, the basketball player. I can't believe I'm, I'm thinking it. Is he? See, uh, I was only recently uh, introduced to Jason Whitlock within the last year or two. And yeah, that, Royce, Royce. Yeah, Royce. Royce White. Royce White. I'm sorry. Royce White. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, where I first heard about him, I, I follow Adam Curry, and he has a show, Long Running. He's like, they call him the pod father because he invented the term or helped invent the term podcasting mm -hmm. with uh, Steve Jobs and a number of other people back in the day. But I listened to his show, No Agenda, and he's got a, a sub, you know, another show he does on the side called Mo Facts with Mo, uh, this guy who's he's black, he's into black culture. Mm -hmm. And they he, he brought up, He'll bring up people like Kanye. Like I knew about Kanye going mm -hmm. toward the Jake Jewish question, um, you know, before he even came out with that. I'm going uh, DefCon three, you know, that that whole tweet. I knew mm -hmm. he was headed in that direction because I would listen to this show with Adam Curry and Mo, and they were talking about him. They talk about you know how how the black culture in America, you know, who they follow, who they're who their media stars are, you know, and it's different. It's different than what most people um, that I know, you know, follow. So I, when I heard about Jason Whitlock, it's like, yeah, that guy seems like he's real down to earth. Like, like they say nowadays, based, based in reality. He's um, incredible. He really is. He, he just, um, uh, for those of you, the, the people out there that have read my novel, The Unreals, um, you know that I had uh, some black characters in there and uh, they called them the Afro-Anarchists. They were a, a trio of doo-wop protest singers. And uh, the leader of the Afro-Anarchists was a guy named Phosphate Jefferson. Uh, I created this character as like my perfect black guy. You know, the guy kind of get black guy I would be. And uh, Jason Whitlock is the closest thing in real life I've seen to Phosphate Jefferson. So uh, that's the biggest compliment I could give anybody is, is he's, 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 he doesn't care who he ticks off and he kind of enjoys getting, uh, getting people upset at him. And he does. Yes. He's in, you know, engaged in feuds all the time, but I, so I'm, I'm glad you watched that too. And I, 
I yeah. highly recommend it to everyone. And, and kind of like the antithesis of Jason Whitlock uh, would be this character. I, I think I'm saying it right. Charlemagne the Look, oh the god yes or whatever oh, they call him. God. Yeah. well calling he, himself a god to begin with come on right and then he has people like uh what what's his face uh nosferatu adl what's the guy's name uh it's so forgettable greenblatt jonathan yeah. greenblatt yes yes you yes, know yes, you have yeah. people like that coming on to apologize for him having kanye west on or something like that it's just ridiculous yeah so, no it is and that's, that's and that that guy uh you know, I mean, it's it's one thing they can claim Trump has an ego, but this guy is you know saying Charlemagne the God or the God Trump. Come on, I mean, how how you can't believe in God by by you know doing that? I think oh, I think that's it's like blasphemy. You know, yeah, it, it is blasphemy. Yeah, it, it, it's would, ridiculous. as a Catholic, I would say that. Yeah, me too. I was raised Catholic as well. But, uh, so, uh, so tell us when you when you start your podcast, which I guess is going to be soon. What are you going to call it? And uh, what are you going to concentrate on? I honestly don't know what I'm going to call it yet. I'll just, uh, I'll call it, I'll find some clever catchphrase maybe. Uh, I like your, I protest. I like, I like that. Um, I watched this little cartoon on YouTube by this uh, creator called Me, Me, Meme. Mm -hmm. And he does this thing called NPC University. And in NPC University, the, the catchphrase is, I think we should protest and it takes place in a university and it's this college professor and his exploits teaching his students and they're all NPCs and he's an NPC loves to drink soy. <laughs> and all the kind of, it's just, it's just funny. You should, you should look at it sometime, but uh, I well, don't know I, what I'm going to call it yet. I, I've got people that I'd love to, to uh, interview. I want to talk to John Barber, your friend, John Barber. I, I've got it. John is very, now I, I got to be honest with you. John would probably be quicker at getting in touch with you. If your name was uh, Paula. Yeah, okay. Probably. I mean, I'm power, power Patricia, <laughs> you know, Patricia, because he's, he loves the ladies, but he, he gets excited about anybody who's uh, who, who is a fan. I or learn more about Garrison. You could tell him, yeah. I, I, you know, I want to learn more about that because I, I will do that. Well, I hope you, I hope you check out, uh, I hope you check out the new book I wrote with William Law, you know, the pipe that been one read, uh, Dean Andrews, Jim, uh, Jean Andrews, Jim Garrison and the conspiracy to kill JFK, where I talk about, you know, my, uh, longtime friendship, uh, Dean Andrews, the third was my brother's best friend, which is yeah. amazing. And, uh, JFK. He was, he was, um, John Candy. Right. Right. Candy's character. Right. And that's where the title comes from. So uh, we have a lot more about Garrison in there. And just to give you one anecdote, I always share about Garrison that I got from John Barber is to give you the measure of the man and what a, what a great character he was, what character he had uh, when he was on his deathbed. He said he, now his wife, uh, as you, you kind of see coming in the movie JFK, where he said, you know, damn, Liv, I can't, I can't fight the whole world and you, too, you know, and because uh, she was fighting him. She wasn't supporting him, and that's what happens. That's why I'm astonished at your family uh, uh, not ostracizing you. But and, and Garrison, maybe if you were doing what Garrison was doing, I guess maybe in your national story. But uh, <clears throat> Garrison's family, you know, pretty much turned their backs on him, and his wife betrayed him, and she she just rejected him when he needed her most. And uh, so he had every reason to be bitter at her. They were divorced, and uh, she had been remarried, I guess, divorced again or widowed. I'm not sure, but. At any rate, uh, on his deathbed, he he demanded that she come visit him, and he uh, d demanded that they be remarried on his deathbed so she could get his lucrative judge's pension. So this was Garrison? 
This is Jim Garrison. Now, how many? I wouldn't have known that story if it hadn't been for Jim Bar, uh, John Barber, who was uh, the only Expert. person he gave an interview. It's, but I mean, just what does that say? I mean, how many people have, would have the character to do that? To do that kind of thing, yeah. So she could get her pension. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, he he thought he still loved her enough, or was considered enough. He was going to care about it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you think about uh, he, yeah, having some mercy. Yeah, you got the right toe, but the wrong ho, ho, whatever. Yeah, it's something like that. The right ta ta, the wrong ho ho. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> Sam Bodishree said, "Guess he loved her." Yeah, he did. But I mean, still, even so, when you usually after you have a divorce, especially something like that where it was clearly because of what he was doing and she didn't support him, I mean, that's uh, yeah, very that's unusual. Tough. When you have to take a stand like that, and you have to stand up for the truth you're not gonna make friends necessarily so easily i mean look at look at the example of christ you know you, you stand up for the truth and you'll you'll suffer for it but there's hope for a resurrection in the end that's what i believe so so are you still to... a practicing catholic or are you just you're, you're yes, just I go, I, I go to mass every sunday yeah and um it's it's quite a thing i you know there are problems with the church i i, I admit that and i've known that for all my life i grew up at catholic um, but I see that that's a pivotal point, you know, even in the JFK assassination, I think that's a pivotal point because that's what people were thinking is at the time, it's like, wow, these Catholics are coming into their own and the whole yeah. wasp establishment is kind of sure. fading away because they're not reproducing like they should. Well, that's what got me interested in the JFK assassination is that I did come from a Catholic family. I was seven when he was assassinated and uh, my whole family, you know, was distraught and upset my father you know you know was instantly saying lbj did it you know so i was steeped in it as a little kid that you know, i never thought oswald did it from <laughs> i mean i could barely uh <clears throat> think for myself but apparently i still had more sense than uh anyone in the mainstream media i guess because they couldn't see it at any rate uh well, Christy. I, you know, there were people in the mainstream that were questioning it, like John Barber. I would consider him mainstream. You know, he's yeah. dealing with Sinatra and those people. Right. Uh, well, that was late. And he pretty much ruined his uh, showbiz career. He'll tell you that. Over it, yeah. Well, yeah. I was because... listening to his last broadcast he did a couple months ago, and that, yeah, he's telling the story. So I, I'm a bit familiar with his his work, and uh, I I think it takes some courage to do that. There, are, but there there are people. I was hey, I was watching them. Somebody sent me a link because I was mentioning um, the JFK thing. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Executive Action from 1971? Oh, yes, certainly. Burt Lancaster, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that it's just out in the open right there that, hey, this wasn't just a lone nut gunman. Yeah. That these people were thinking about it and projecting that, but it's like you had three or four networks controlling things, and that's, you know, it's just like the record music industry. You had, you maybe had some indie labels, but they all went to the same pressing plant. <laughs> it's not... It's not like that isn't wasn't like a controlled medium of the music industry, and, and in World War II that was really tightly controlled. You had the military; you had to get approval to release a record on a mass scale. Uh, Tavon Sewell is asking, "Who's on the show with Don John Redcar?" No, it was, this is Patrick Chanel, who is yep, Patrick uh, Chanel. Patrick Chanel I'm from was... uh, Wisconsin, northwestern Wisconsin, um, near Superior, in Duluth, and Minneapolis, St. Paul, kind of like. You could draw a line pretty much between the two, and that's where I'm at. So, and and I I think that uh, you know, so for my just it was you know you contacted me this week, and I had a uh, 
I was supposed to have people know Mary Maxwell, the sweet lady who's been on the show several times. She's kind of a fan favorite here. And she had the idea this week. She wanted to interview me. She said, wouldn't it be nice if somebody interviewed you about survival of the richest? And I said, okay, sure. Let's do that. But then she, uh, she has this thing going on where every time she talks, she just coughs nonstop. So I said, I can't do the oh. show. So I said, oh, so uh, hopefully, Mary, if you're listening out there, I hope you're feeling better and you get better. Yeah, I hope she I, gets well soon. I still like that idea at some point. And uh, so hopefully we'll do that soon. Uh, Chris Buckin says, your father was clear and intelligent. Man. Well, he was. He was a bitter man, too, though. I can tell you that. And, and you would have loved him, Chris, because he was obsessed with Jews. So uh, he was, he, <laughs> you could have had some great conversations with him. Your, believe your dad? Me. You're talking oh, about yes. your dad? Yes, my dad. My dad oh, okay. Like, well, I've told this before, and uh, no, I, you know, it took me a long time. He died when I was 20, but um, drank himself to death. But he, uh, you know, oh, he, my childhood nickname from him was Yiddish. Uh, and, you know, and I it, it just, it was what just a it? name. He was just <laughs> a name to me, you know? And so it wasn't until later. It's like, wait a minute, what? But he was gone by then. And, uh, you know, it's like, I, and I think I tried to ask my mom and she didn't know, you know, I don't know. And I said, said why, 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 would, why would you call me Yiddish? That does, I mean, what was it? That's the, you know, it's the, it's the, and I've, it still bothers me that, cause I don't know where that came from. And, uh, but anyhow, so I was, I was steeped in that. We believe me, even, even though he was Catholic, he was, uh, he knew he would always know the high holy days and he would do this Rosh Hashanah, it's this and that. And, um, so I, I knew their holidays and, uh, just because he was, I don't know why he was so obsessed with it, but he was. And, uh, well, I, I think it's important, you know, you, you love your enemy, but you also got by loving your and having mercy on them. You have to know them. You have to understand what they're doing and it, it doesn't help to just ignore them and, and try to, you know, plow through any problems you come up with. You gotta, you gotta be able to work with people and figure out how we're going to solve this problem and, and, and get rid of the, the uh, corruption because that's, that's the problem. You know, I had, like I said, my, my great uncle, my mom would tell me about this, uh, that back before I was born or near the time I was born, they would get together and they would talk and she's like, all they'd talk about is the Jews. <laughs> that's what she <laughs> told me when I was little. And she's like, oh, oh, yeah, because I'd never see him all that often. I'd see him every once in a while. And she's like, yeah, every time he'd come around, that's all they'd talk about. And he had the yeah. my family business. He had my, fa my family business before he passed it on to my dad. So, you know, what we do is uh, kind of, you know, carry on from what his family was doing. But... Uh, they were definitely the older generations knew a lot more. It's like that Joel Stein interview from the Los Angeles Times back in the 90s where they're like, wow, you know, people these days don't even realize that there's Jewish control of the media. Ha ha ha. They're, they're losing it. You know, like back in the right. day, they 90 percent of people knew something about it. But nowadays it's like nobody knows about anything. And that was well, kind of like the down lowest point, because nowadays everybody's talking about it it's well it is and it's 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 the, it's the giant elephant in the room of all the giant elephants in the room that's the biggest one john bassable and says well you know the brother fruit too bad we can't ask michael collins piper he had an opinion on who was involved in jeff and michael collins piper i had just uh he died before his time he supposedly had i i don't know i i, I talked to the because you know michael collins piper wrote for the spotlight which became and i was a loyal subscriber and uh, but then that became the American Free Press, which I've been writing for every week, uh, every two weeks. I have like two to three articles in there for the last several years. And uh, so, it, you know, the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, uh, 
drove the spotlight into bankruptcy and uh, they had to, they, they, you know, tried to bankrupt Liberty Lobby. And um, so they, be, they reemerged as American Free Press and I write for them now. So uh, I had reached out to Michael Collins Piper uh, because uh, this was before I had a show. I would have loved that. I'm sure he would have been a guest many times. But uh, I was asking about the JFK assassination because I told him, I said, you should join these forums because he wrote Final Judgment, which was the first book to uh, to talk about JFK's war behind the scenes with David Ben-Gurion, the president of Israel. He was JFK was it was really irate at Israel about their developing nuclear weapons. And he, he was he was the only one in the government that was. And uh, once he once he was killed. Uh, no one's been mad at them since. And he was the last president to go against Israel when he was doing that behind the scenes. But Michael Collins Piper had the balls to mention it and write a book about it. And for years before he died, I, I hope he can see somewhere what happened. Because now he, he's not getting credit, but you're having lots of people in the research community mention that now as a reality. But back then when he did it, they just smeared him, called him, anti, called him anti-Semitic. I invited him to join the forums I was a part of. And he said, no, I, I'm not going to do that it's it, there's you know you can't uh you can't win doing that so i, I, mean, I don't know if you know about michael collins piper but uh, what year was a, that I've, I've been, uh, I've, i don't think i've ever really I've maybe i think he died uh he wanted well he he was writing mostly in the 80s and 90s in the the final judgment final judgment probably came out late 80s early 90s and he died probably i want to say early 2000s maybe Somewhere along that, again, way too young. He was younger than me, and um, you know, it's a shame. And and he was, uh, you know, Chris would have, uh, Chris Buckin would have loved him because he. And that's the problem is once you get into this, and you know this, and that's why I try to to dance around it because you can really get sucked into that and become. You can be, you can end up like David Duke or Brother Nathaniel, people like that, where it's yeah. it's a one trick pony, yeah, where there's nothing else and. There's a lot more to it than that, but it's it's undeniable that uh, and I you know I I kind of try to dance this you know because I I'm not I'm not avoiding talking about them. They are two percent of the population, and it's you know it's it's incomprehensible. It's impossible for a group that small to have the kind of dominance they have in media, especially. And uh, it's, it's just it's just not possible. That for how could a group that's two percent of the population? naturally just always be the president of every television network, always be the head of every major studio, Hollywood film studio or every recording studio. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, small population, but they seem to have a lot of like, sycophants that just do their bidding <laughs> that don't, that are, well, like, uh, well, brother Nathaniel was on Alex Jones not that long ago saying, follow the money Rothschild, yeah. the famous Rothschild quote, my, I don't care who makes the laws as long as I get to print the money. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. People don't, you know, what they value is, uh, you know, what they care about. And, and Chris Bucket is, is is talking about Pinocchio, and that's why he's. I mean, you know, that's that's possibly that's that's certainly that makes sense that 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 could be an allusion to Jews that the nose gets bigger when he lies. <laughs> that's I never thought of that, but that's true. Yeah, you, you know it. Uh, do I know Brother Dave Nathaniel would laugh at, at some of that stuff? Oh, he would. It's, Chris asked me, do I know Dave Gehari at all? He writes, he wrote for somebody. Uh, yeah, I, I love yeah, Dave Gehari. Yeah, he runs Speak Free Radio, and I, I work yeah, with Dave. Yeah, you were mentioning him to me. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, Dave Gehari and, and, and over at Speak Free Radio, he has his Money Tree Publishing. 
Mm-hmm. He yes. publishes Fetzer's books and uh, n- numerous other books, good books. Um, and he's been doing that for quite a while. I think he was involved with uh, the whole Spotlight AFP thing, acquisition. And uh, yeah, he's been in publishing. That's that's what he does. And he caught, COVID, he caught what he says is COVID. And I, I can't doubt it because that's what he says. You know, you don't know. But uh, he, he got something and he went to the hospital. He had that same problem i think they gave him a remdesivir <laughs> and uh, he was in there for months he's lucky he survived believe me he's lucky to survive yeah he'll say that too you know he he sounded a little you know when he came out of it you know the your 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 lungs all about your breathing uh, it, it affected him so he still has to deal with it to this day it sounds like so he's doing good though uh yeah they get they get a little bit uh, you know on speak free radio it's a it's quite the uh grab bag of things at the moment so you'll get you'll get people like the jdl they have a morning show there and it's it's pretty oh really hardcore. J- it's pretty hardcore well, oh yeah right? they're they yeah, are yeah. boy <laughs> down with handsome truth down in florida doing the act street activism yeah. type things and it's a, yeah. it's a very theatrical type stuff and uh you know it's not my cup of tea but i i hey uh he's exposing the problem and i don't know what his you know, you, when you're in a different geog- geography is important. And when you're in a, a place where you have that influence constantly, I can see why people react that way. Because there are a lot of Jewish people down there and a lot of the yeah. people there kind of are, are promoting the, the cultural rot that we have to right. deal with. But you got you got to be, again, as I said, it's I, uh, I just, I, I hate making broad generalizations about people. That's the old liberal in me. Uh, yeah, no, and, I don't make, I don't make, I'm not. No, saying but you're, no, on, you're, yeah. you're exactly. And everybody in the, in, in the, uh, you know, chat, probably few would agree with me, but I, I've told this story before. Yes. I understand that, that, that 2%, this incredibly small percentage of people, a very small percentage of that has unbelievable dominance and uh, way disproportionate to any possible thing, anything mathematically possible. But we have to remember that the, I mean, I, in my case, most of my cousins are part Jewish. I have a huge family, and one of my mom's sisters married a Jew many, many years ago, and uh, he became a Catholic. So, but all of them are, you know, they're part, they're half Jewish, quarter Jewish, eighth Jewish, or whatever, depending well, on how young the way they are. I, the way I look at it is uh, uh, it's not a matter of, of uh, how you were born, it's how you decide to be after you're born. And uh, it's a religion. It's to me, it's more of a you know the re- word race incorporates religion. Like your your outlook, your beliefs, what you understand to be true, is uh, determined by your religion. And I think I think that it's a big battle. I think there are four main religions and or four main you could call them races. I don't know, but in Catholic theology, Saint Thomas Aquinas said that. There are basically four types of people. You have the pagans, which believe in many gods, which means they may as well believe in no god, so you could include atheists in that. Right, right. And then you have Jewish people, which they're they're the ones that rejected Christ and Jesus Christ when he came, you know, the promise of, of a Messiah, you know, this idea that they're looking for a Messiah still, even though he already came. And then you have I would call St. Thomas called them heretics, which are people who are between a Jew and a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like uh, he would consider Muslims to be 
uh, heretical group in that regard in that they believe that Jesus existed, but their theology about who he was is different from the Christian perspective. And then obviously, um, uh, then the, the Christian would be the fourth in that kind of like political, meta, metaphysical or metapolitical group, you could call well, it, that everybody well, in the world kind of fits into. I, I'd like to have, uh, and I've, I've, I've mentioned this before, but anybody in the audience, you, you guys, most of you have contact info for me. Contact me if you know anybody. I, I would love to have a good, like a good Palestinian spokesman, somebody that's a, an activist so they could really present what's happening in Israel from that side. I'd love to have somebody like that on the show. And, uh, you know, just, I, I, that's, I would love to get, to, you know, that kind of perspective on there because you don't, you don't get to, because yeah, right now there's Israel and, and the Jews are, are under focus, under a microscope like they have never been in, in modern history because of what's going on in Israel with Hamas. And they've co-opted because the left has been co-opted by this great replacement anti-white movement. Uh, they're, they're forced to, the culture doesn't know what to do because when you have all these non-white leftists criticizing Israel because they look at Israel as white colonizers, even though the Jews apparently don't look at themselves as white. I don't know how that can be, but they don't apparently, but they look at it that way. But then they can't criticize the, these non-white radicals because that would, that's not woke. So I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but it's interesting to see that debate because all the criticism of Hamas and what's happening in Israel, all, all of it's coming from the left. The right now loves Israel. Always have. Yep. <laughs> We could talk about H.L. Hunt, and I think he had a lot to do with Yes, that let's talk about it. Yeah, let's. Well, I want to talk about it because that, that's uh, getting back to your the connections to H.L. Hunt. Uh, first of all, you go back to H.L. Hunt, uh, Nelson Bunker Hunt, and I guess the original H.L. Hunt was uh, around the time of the Kennedy assassination. And there's you know, many of the early researchers thought Texas oil men were involved, and including H.L. Uh, Hunt. And uh, at that time, there was a letter supposedly written to Lee Harvey Oswald. Most researchers think it's a forgery. I don't think it's been proven it was a forgery at all, but uh, that's what they claim. But it's uh, it's the uh, Dear Mr. Hunt letter. I don't know if you've seen that or not. It's Dear Mr. Hunt. Uh, I would like information concerning my position. He misspelled concerning. Uh, I, uh, I w I'm interested in nothing else or something like that. And I would like to know more about it before anything, before any actions are taken or something like that. It's kind of incriminating, and people have have always uh, thought that the hunt must have been either H.L. Hunt or E. Howard Hunt, the uh, CIA speaks. So I don't know if you know anything about that, but tell us what you know about uh, I know I know very little about E. Howard Hunt. I I know now more about H.L. Hunt since my brother joined yeah, the yeah. team, and I, yeah. I wanted to learn more about who mm -hmm. his employer is. <laughs> I it was quite shocking, you know, because I I. Um, found out that he, he used to run a, a magazine or a newspaper called um, well um, Facts Forum. Mm -hmm. Facts Forum was the first place I think William F. Buckley Jr. got his start back in the day in the mm -hmm. 60s in the, or early 60s. So um, yeah, as far as H.L. Hunt goes, he was the richest man in the world in the 1950s, and he mm -hmm. was a petroleum man. I, I read that he, through gambling profits, bought up a lot of the East Texas oil fields in the 30s, in the 20s and 30s, with a group of 
of Texas Barons, you know, the oil, oil Baron types. And, you know, really, um, he had a, his personal life, he had three wives, and they didn't know about each other in three different families. <laughs> Interesting. So he was in the, they call it, what do they call it, bigamy? Yeah. Well, for, for mortals, it's bigamy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but oh, polygamy. Bigamy would be two by. So I think polygamy, I think, is if it's like in, in the Mormons, it can have polygamy. But I think that they have to know. I don't know what it is. If they all know about each other, I think it's bigamy. But I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard some story that his his second wife, um, she she read a newspaper article about him acquiring the biggest oil field. And, and she's she's asking him, is this you? And he's like, no, 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 that's one of my uncles <laughs> or something like that even though it looked exactly like him. So I don't know about, he seems like quite the character though, from what I've been reading. He, um, so anyway, he's the grandfather of Clark Hunt, the current chief's owner. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was Clark Hunt's father that started the Super Bowl in the sixties. Yeah. The AFL was pushing it because they were in the AFL then before the AFC. And I'm sure you've heard, uh, again, going to JFK, there was there's there's rumor Madeline Brown, who was the uh, reported mistress of LBJ. And she's, you know, probably more than half of the researchers don't trust her. don't think she's credible, but some do. I don't know. I never talked to her. But um, she was she, outspoken. Yeah, very outspoken. And she claimed that there was a party. At the mansion at HL at HL Hunt's house, or was it Murchison? Maybe it was Murchison. It was either Hunter or Murchison. Murchison was Clint Murchison was another Dallas oilman connected to, to the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, at uh, the night before the assassination, I think it was, J. Edgar Hoover was there. A lot of people were there. It was openly, you know, it's basically a celebration of the impending assassination. So, uh, is that true? I don't know. I mean, it would be, kind of be blatant for them to hold a party about it, but. You know, who knows? But at any rate, she's, you know, I don't know if you've heard about that or not. Well, yeah, I was I was looking at a video earlier today about that particular topic. And it was, was um, here's what I've got on that. That was Madeline Duncan Brown. And she was an advertising executive, had a love affair with Lyndon Johnson. Wasn't she the one that was with Johnson during the Liberty attack? Too. I think that's what she claims. And she, she also had a son by him, supposedly, yeah, and he son. died and Johnson wouldn't support him or whatever. And uh, he, he, she's Johnson supposedly told her after tomorrow's damn, those, those damn son of bitch Kennedy's will never bother me again. Or yeah, something. This, yeah, this is what Johnson said at, at the meeting. Um, after tomorrow, those those GD Kennedy's will never yeah. embarrass me again. That's no yeah. threat. That's a promise. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's uh, Chris Buckin says that's the party Nixon was at. Yeah, supposedly. Was at, uh, it says uh, it was at uh, Clint Murchison Sr.'s Murchison's home house, in yeah, Dallas yeah. and that uh, Hunt Murchison, J. Edgar Hoover and Richard right. Nixon were there. Yeah, there you go. So, well, you know, that's but that, and that's what you, uh, you, know, you used to have a book called The Yankee and Cowboy. Uh, there was a book called The Yankee and Cowboy War. Uh, by Carl Oglesby, was a member of the a leftist that was with the Students for a Democratic Society, I think, which is, you know, a lot of people thought it was a communist front, but a uh, very far left thing. I think Tom Hayden was the, uh, Jane Fonda's, uh, Jane Fonda's first husband, I think, was the uh, the other member there. But uh, he postulated that there were two warring groups 
uh, warring for control of America, at least at that time. And one were the Yankees, which would be what we think of the establishment now, the Eastern establishment, the Council of Foreign Relations, the Bilderbergers, people like that, the uh, Skull and Bones. Uh, that's, we think of kind of the elite Eastern East Coast set. But the, the Cowboys would have been those oil men. Those, you know, those were those Wild West types that were, uh, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. So I, I don't know if I buy that or not, but I, I, you know. There's a book by Brian Burrow called The Big Rich, mm -hmm. The Rise and Fall of the Greatest Texas Oil Fortunes. That uh, was mentioned in a documentary I, I watched recently about it. And uh, he uh, kind of goes into that. And then the same documentary, they have H.L. Hunt's assistant claiming that he, Hunt was uh, instrumental in the assassination of Kennedy, not only, uh, not only John Kennedy, but Robert Kennedy, and not only that, but also Martin Luther King and Jimmy Hoffa. So, and it, there's a book yeah. you can get by that gentleman, and uh, he, he, he says he was the assistant to H.L. Hunt and was with him when all these things happened. So I don't well, know. Well, certainly isn't a, a very. Uh, if you go to uh, Expose the Enemy on YouTube, it's called Expose the Enemy channel. And I think it's Jeremy Roth, Rochelle, and a few other people. Um, I know him through Kevin Barrett. Kevin Barrett used to, uh, well, he's friends with Jim Fetzer. And he mm -hmm. lived near Madison, Wisconsin. And you know, now he lives in Morocco, but... Uh, he got he got me interested in uh, the, the Jeremy Rothkuschel and all these people who were go, digging into the Kennedy type, you know, the Kennedy assassination, going through the history. And uh, he he actually did a a write up on my brother back during the COVID debacle where they wanted the players to get vaxxed. Really. And him and Aaron Rodgers, my brother and Aaron Rodgers, were the two main people in Wisconsin throwing the most fit on football teams. I didn't know you. Well, your brother comes by it natural. Look at your, uh, look at your skepticism about things. Well, that's good well, to hear. Well, yeah, that's, and I, I, you know, my dad, my dad is, was against them. And that's why my brother was against it. I would say, because my dad enforced it to him. Hey, you need to not trust these things. They could kill you. So don't do did it. Did you, did you hear what was he, I mean, how many people, for instance, on the chiefs were, how many others were not vaccinated besides him? I, I have know. no idea. I have no idea. Other than my brother, I have no idea. I know Kelsey's. Well, well you know, Travis Pfizer Kelsey boy. is Mr. Pfizer. I mean, you know, that's why a lot yeah, of people. Pfizer boy. Yeah, I mean, that's why, uh, you know, there's so many. I mean, it's sad. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily the brightest guy. I, I, no, no disrespect to him. But I, I, I think he's got a lot to learn. And he's being led by his emotions and letting, letting, I like, <laughs> it's, it was just ridiculous. His speech at the parade was just insane oh I the didn't fact that, that he was allowed to that any of the team members were allowed to get waste wasted drunk and get on the microphone is just oh, silly was was... i mean I, I, silly it was it was highly irresponsible and it led to the atmosphere that you know if, if it were an organic thing you know i could have easily seen some some gang bangers getting involved because they're playing gangster rap and all sorts of stuff at this event where yeah yeah where they were celebrating the, their victory and well it's all part of know, the idiocracy look look at the yeah it's idi it definitely idiocracy i mean the way they yeah. were behaving on the stage it was just 
Well, Taylor, Taylor Swift squeaked. She not only had Paul McCartney, who was trotted in at 80 years old or whatever, to show up for the Super Bowl, but uh, you had this spice. What, what the hell? Something spice. You're talking about the recent one? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, See, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> so, so, well, sorry I just to my brother and everybody. I'm not, a, I'm not a football fan, I ne- especially after the, the, uh, the whole take the knee Black Lives Matter thing. I just totally was like, no, no, thank you. I don't even want that on in my house. So, but it's a game. My brother loves it, so I support him hundred percent. Well, sure, and then, but in, in the in the, uh, and again, a lot of us once you know once we heard this Taylor Swift nonsense, and we heard Travis Kelsey's uh, you know affinity for uh, vaccines, and you know, <laughs> smiling and you know saying take the vax. Uh, we figured, well, this is probably going to be fixed for the Chiefs. They love Mahomes anyhow. They're, they're, they they seem to push these agendas, so it wasn't any surprise, yeah. you know. When well, they it won. sounds like the Hunt family are very tied to American media, mass media in general. I mean, the guy was the richest man in America in the 1950s, and it's saying something. And petroleum products, you know, that during that time just exploded. So, and the, he helped world, win World War II. You could say, you know, we wouldn't have. Uh, like was it yesterday or the day before was the anniversary of Dresden massacre where Absolutely. people were just incinerated and firebombed. No, I think they killed 39,000 toddlers or something. I mean, just think, oh. think, just, uh, just, you know, think about that. But that's, that's the real Holocaust. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's just astounding. And I, I went into that in my book, crimes and cover-ups in American politics, 70, 76, 1963, along with all the other atrocities committed by the allies, uh, Deborah Wheeler wants to know, uh, ask your guess about his 14 siblings. Well, we know one plays in the NFL. 15. I have 15. Oh, 15. Oh, yeah, 15. 15. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm the oldest of 16. Wow. Uh, yeah. They're, and I, like I said, I've got a stepmother, so they're not all from one. But, uh, yeah, I love them all as my brother and sister. So, yeah. And we were quite, you know, we live near each other, so. We contact. Well, your father is prolific. He gives new. He's like an old-fashioned Catholic. Geez, you don't see those size families uh, in, yeah. in this generation. Yeah, pre-Kennedy Catholic, pre-birth control. <laughs> yeah, like, that's for sure. I mean, that's that's a, you know, sixteen. That's that's all eighteen hundreds. Well, that's yeah, and stuff. Those culture war issues were a big part of you know the Kennedy thing too. You know, the draw and the ire against him was like, oh, these Catholics are going to take over and we're going to be ruled by the Pope. Right. That's always been the, the battle between Catholics and, say, like the American Freemason establishment that got set up for mm-hmm. political parties and Civil War era. But, uh, yeah, that's that, that era is long gone. It's the, the Freemasons, you know, the, the main threat from the Freemasons are the B'nai B'rith, the Anti-Defamation League. And yeah, that's that's a Jewish Zionist, whatever you want to call it. I just call it Jewish. Well, that's yeah, that's the, that's quick. the they're the biggest force for they're the biggest anti-free speech uh, outfit. And in I, the world. I think they get along well with people like the you know like back in the day with Hunt because he was he wasn't Catholic. He was a Protestant, and they didn't right. like Catholics very much. You know, because they were they saw them as you know encroaching on their wealth and prosperity in this country that had made them wealthy and back in europe it was wars for centuries over religion uh whether you you know catholic or protestant was the big thing and you know and the even well they had islam encroaching too during that time up to vienna so during the time of martin luther but uh 
yeah, they didn't. They they came to America thinking, hey, we don't have to deal with this, the problems we had in the old country. But then, you know, problems will find you anywhere in the world. It, you're gonna get chased by it anywhere you go. You're not gonna you're not gonna get rid of it. Well, Owar busy. Good to good to hear from the UK. Nathan Hale is going from Alaska. Uh, JT says Aaron Rodgers seems to be more powerful. Actually, what do you think Aaron Rodgers? He's he's the most outspoken athlete I've ever seen. It's amazing. Yeah, he's he must must be. Uh, I wonder where he's getting it from. You know, it'd be nice to interview him. Maybe I'll interview him when when I do. Well, that. yeah, you, <laughs> that would be quite a coup. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he comes from the same state as I do, so why not? Yeah. I'd love to. He, he had some spat, didn't he, recently with one of these late night talk show goofballs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Ridiculous Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, that yeah. guy's just a, a joke. Yeah, it's a pity. It was over the a, Epstein thing. The Epstein. Yeah, the Epstein list. But by the way, we still haven't seen that list. Where is that list? It was supposed to the a judge was supposed to release it, and I, I haven't seen any official list. Every list that came out, they said fake. So I, where's the real one? I don't know. Yeah, apparently nobody's on it. What's what I find odd is uh, Anthony Blinken's stepfather was his was Robert Maxwell's lawyer, longtime lawyer, and was said to be the last person to speak with him before Robert Maxwell's demise on the boat. Yes, Excellent. absolutely. Yeah. J Jelaine yeah. Maxwell's father. That's it's amazing. We have uh I wanna I wanna play this uh real quick here. See the screen here. I'll play some of this interview you sent me. Um Oh yeah, the shooter, the the victim yeah, of the people think of this guy. This guy again, this is you wonder why people find these incredible this, this, this looks like a different one. Maybe this is a different one. Well but I don't yeah, know. But they're, they're, they're that's, the same, that's the same. That's the same guy. Same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead. Here you go. Tell me what you think of this, guys. Where are your wife and children now, Mr. Gooch? My wife is sitting right next to me, and my daughter is in bed. My kids are in bed. So, what kind of wounds did they sustain? Um, my daughter, or you know, not my daughter. My daughter didn't get shot. My son got shot, and my wife got shot. She got shot in her calf. Uh, it went straight through, so she's she's fine. My son is left with a bullet in his foot, and I got shot directly in the ankle and broke a couple metatarsal bones in the foot. Yeah, look at his eyes, the way he looks up to the corners. I mean, that, that to me, me is a <laughs> somebody who's who's lying. Typically, they're searching for for answers you know you should ha when you're telling the truth you should have the answer right there on the tip of your tongue that this is what happened but the way his body language is is just one of just this, like nervousness like and he doesn't answer it clearly you you should know that your daughter wasn't the one that got shot and it was your son or whatever the case may be so when i saw this and i also other people commented on this his just his body language and the way he was behaving is just erratic. So I don't know what to make of it. And then if you look at there, there's a video out there of the entire event of the parade going on. And during the parade, um, 
at the end at the end of the event after all the speakers have gone up and oh whoops spoken. i thought i thought it was longer than that i'm sorry no no that's okay i was kind Where of filling in so there wasn't that air oh thank you I, that's why i put oh, it on right <laughs> okay so so jet Don, and my daughter Don, is in um, bed Sorry about that. Yeah, the one That's you okay. sent me was longer. I thought, okay. It, so. Yeah, the, yeah. The, this isn't the one I sent you, but it, this was an abridged version of it. It seems like, but the way okay. you could get it gather from the way he was talking there, he's this body language where he's looking up. You can see his eyes. He's just like looking up in the left and then the right. Yes, like yes, he's yes. Searching like he's trying to think. And, and I don't know if there was the inappropriate smiling there or not, but he certainly uh, he didn't. He seemed lighthearted. I think I would yeah. say. And in the longer version, he he kind of um, he mistakes who got actually got shot of his children. Yeah, that's like, right. It's like he well, we all he make that mistake, that don't we? Much. He made the mistake, and he's one like, of oh, the kids oh, no. got shot. You yeah, know? <laughs> I don't know who it was, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, they that's try to just... pin it off as just random gun violence, and it's like I don't think it's random gun violence. I think I think uh, the most you know this the you know you could say false flag let's we can go there but if it's not a false flag i would say the frenzied environment that the music and the speeches and the 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 general composure composure of the players on stage just being drunk right and representing the team as just a bunch of lunatics uh, yeah. drunkards um that I blame that on Clark Hunt, because he's the owner of the team. He could stipulate in their contract when they're publicly performing as a team, and speaking on behalf of the team, that they perform sober and they don't and they keep, you know, keep keep their. Uh, Travis Kelsey, that song he was mm. singing, he took Garth Brooks's "I've Got Friends in Low Places," which is, uh, yeah, you know, regular, yeah. related to Taylor Swift. That's kind of appropriate. Right, but right. The way he was, he changed the lyrics to make it uh, diminish and make it seem like the other team, you know, were the weaker and, the, you know, that kind of thing. The, it seemed like he was disrespectful to the other team and his poor sportsmanship. Yeah, well, he's to, to do that, to mock the other team like that. Kelsey's, uh, you know, the, the, he's the whitest ghetto trash I've ever seen in the NFL. I think he really, he really is. Uh, yeah, well, Amazing. they don't they don't promote people um, challenging the black culture. They yeah. they promote the ones that just passively accept it. I'll, I'll give you an example. When my brother was in university, I heard this from, through my other brother who was with him at the time. Because I have another brother that played with him, John, mm -hmm. uh, in, at the University of Wisconsin. And when the whole George Floyd riots were taking place here. Um, I'm not that far from Minneapolis. I'm about an hour and a half drive from there. But when that took place, uh, they had team meetings and they had a team meeting where they said, okay, we're having a team meeting and you white people, you just shut up and you don't say anything during this meeting because we're oppressed and this is what's going and on. And this was where? This was in college? This was at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Wow, and that, that sounds pretty white, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not all white. I mean, it's there's a lot of, you know, it's the, these days it's... Uh, Black players it's everywhere, not, yeah. But yeah. Still, that's what went on. They And it was just absolutely wow. ridiculous, absolutely evil, in my opinion. Well, who, who said that, the coaches or...? Yeah, 
Well, whoever was in charge of the team meetings, and I would assume it was approved by the coaches. So the, I, wow. I blame it on the coach because yeah, he's responsible for the team and the team meetings. And that, well, it must be. Slide. I mean, uh, your 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 brother is on a team that, uh, despite Mahomes on there, who is being promoted for his blackness, but he's he's like Tiger Woods. He's he, he acts as white as possible, and he is. Hey, there's but, Mal. Yeah, but 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 he, but he. Uh, and of course, you have Kelsey's, uh, you know, the, the superstar of the offense. Uh, they're, they're, of course, they're overwhelmingly black, like every team is. But uh, the Chiefs have a good number, including your uh, your brother uh, George Karloffis is another. They've, they uh, they have uh, Drew Truehill, I think his name. They they've like three or four really good white defensive players, which is unusual for today's NFL. So he's he's probably in a better locker room than most, but. I, I wonder, I, I really feel for these white players today because uh, the, the locker rooms are toxic. And uh, they're, you know, I, I think that's, you know, uh, unless it was like New England with Tom Brady and all those white offensive players, they, they uh, somehow let play and they won a bunch of Super Bowls. But most locker rooms are run by the black players. And uh, I, I would be shocked if you didn't hear those kind of comments in a lot of NFL meetings. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And then my brother, you know, being raised Catholic, Catholics kind of just go along with things, even if they're right. stupid, as long as they're not harmful to yeah. them or to anyone else. And it's just like, you know, I I thought it was harmful, obviously, because it, it's insane. It's insane to do that. So he hasn't after... mentioned anything about the locker room being toxic or anything or how he's treated. No, as a I, I haven't heard anything from him regarding any of that. I heard, like I said, I, I had to find out about the, the meetings from my other brother who told me about it after I, you know, just ask what's going on there. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I, there's your, there's I don't your know friend how he Mal does Malif. it. I don't know how he could. Yeah. There's Maleficus Scott. <laughs> hey, hey Mal. He points out and RW1 points out Kelsey dated all black chicks before that. Yeah. I, it's, that's true. So he, he was going all in on it. That's for sure. And he's got, yeah, yeah. well, and have it? you seen, no, you know what I, no, go ahead. While you, I'm going to look for something while you just talk. Okay, yeah, yeah. While you're looking, I just recently, I was, I just recently was exposed to the idea that Taylor Swift was the granddaughter of Anton Lavey, the founder of the Church of Satan. Yeah. Have you heard that one? Oh, I've heard that. I've heard I, that. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard that one. I, I, and then I'm talking to someone randomly today, and I asked if they had heard it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a rumor that's been going on a long time." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and you. When you and look course, at Zeno LeVay. Yeah, exactly. I can't, looks, of course, I can't find close. it because it's not. There's a picture of her. Of course, I'm not going to be able to find it now. Uh, there's a picture of Taylor Swift in a bathing suit where there's a little bulge. And, of course, I can't find it. Oh, and that's okay. That, that, that whole, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that going around, too. The little yeah. Michelle Obama. Yeah, and, oh, and, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, well, this is, this is along those lines. But hey, you can't I wouldn't find doubt it. it. I wouldn't doubt some of these things. I was listening. I I, I love music and I, I, I'm actually a music researcher yeah, and recorded music in particular. And I found this one recording from back in the sixties of this guy, um, he's called the charmer, but it was actually Louis Farrakhan. He was a, a singer, a mm -hmm. Calypso singer back in the day. And Louis Farrakhan was singing a song about transsexuals in Hollywood that were going to Denmark to get surgery and then coming back and fooling everybody that they're women. Mm -hmm. Right, so this this stuff is probably going on all along, and we just don't realize it because it's Hollywood. It's 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 the whole 
that's one of the, that's one of the big things is, is everybody, everybody is, uh, you know, it's, uh, that if my son is listening, he knows all about this, that, uh, that, that everybody, you know, all the, all the men in Hollywood are really, uh, trannies and that's that's a huge uh that's a huge <laughs> conspiracy thing now in, in in the uh in the conspiracy world well yeah and it's being pushed by the mainstream hard hard now they you know, with the with the richard dick levine coming out dickless levine or whatever he is now oh yes yes rachel oh, levine sorry. Sorry about that. i was trying to see if there's anything on here about this like by this picture but they promote. He was promoted during the height of COVID as the assistant health secretary. I mean, that's how blatant we're getting this propaganda yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, and it's disturbing. And you know, brother Nathaniel and Jeff Rents had a falling out over it, and I'm glad that they're back together. That mm -hmm. because brother Nathaniel was showing some very graphic images of the surgery, and it was just too much for for to take. But. Uh, I, yeah. I really think that uh, it's, it's evil. It needs to be stopped now. And they, the people promoting it need to get out of the media. Uh, they're the same type of people that promote riots like the George Floyd riots. They should be prosecuted. These people in the media need to be held to account for what they're doing because they, they have a lot of power. And it's given to them. I think they've, they've stolen it, that power, in the name of freedom. And, and censorship, you know, the, you, you, censorship is a evil thing, right? You know, we're seeing, we're, we see censorship as an evil thing, but there's actually a need for censorship, especially with children. Well, you and that, of course, that kind of, yes. That. And you need, you need that. And, but we're given this idea of American freedom, like, wow, America's a free country, first amendment, all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, you have a freedom but only when you do good, when you do evil, that's not freedom. And people don't know the difference. It's like you have to, the, the constitution and the bill of rights are nothing without a moral people. Absolutely. I I, I, Jefferson that said, said something. Yeah, along those lines. And I wish I could find, uh, and again, this is, this is how these search engines work. Somebody had posted on social media and I can't find it now, but it, it's a, and it could be, <laughs> they could Photoshop I, it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but it, yeah, exactly. it sure Ooh. looks like a bulge in her and she's so skinny. It's, I don't know, doubt it, it. I don't doubt it. She, yeah. the way she cuts her bangs and all that kind of stuff. And she's six feet tall. I mean, she's got, you know, she's very, you know, that kind of thing. So it's uh I don't know. But again, then when you, when you really go down the rabbit hole then, because you think, oh, is, is Travis Kelsey that bought and paid for that? He not only is promoting Pfizer, but he's, He's dating somebody that's not even a woman, and, and you know, I, I I don't know, but that's that's people don't want to go down that route. Obviously, I, I don't know. I don't put it past some of these people. Like I said, in the media, you get media people, and it's just it's a whole other animal. I used to, I, I used to think I wanted to be a filmmaker. I learned to do photography, uh, doing um, actually, I ha I have a thirty five if you if you go into movie making you, you know that in Hollywood they project things on thirty five millimeter film i have mm -hmm. I have a thirty five millimeter motion picture camera and I was doing you know short films and stuff around here and I did music videos for friends and and I actually you know made some decent money doing that but um it's a different environment I'll tell you 
we have here in here in near Minnesota, we have the Coen Brothers. They're probably the most famous film directors out there in yeah, this area yeah, that sure. people know of. They did. Uh, then they did. Uh, what about what's up? What's about what about no? What was it? Uh, God, what's the uh, the one with Jim Carrey was his best movie? Uh, Me, myself, and Irene. Did they do that? I think they did. Maybe I'm. Not, I, I, I don't can, know maybe I'm getting it. mixed up with the Farrelly brothers. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It might be. I worked on one movie where previous to it, I worked with their casting director, and then they went on to after that, she worked for uh, for them on this movie called A Serious Man, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be about them growing up in Minnesota as Jews, and they go to synagogue and all this kind of stuff, and it kind of shows like corruption within the the whole jewish system like john blaskman says fargo i guess they made fargo yeah they made fargo i had another friend he was the car dealer in that he was one of the car dealers you can see him in there but uh, yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. so what 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 about so you you said you work in movies what kind of work did you do in movies well no like i said i was i I wanted to work in movies when that whole cooper thing got me interested in just the media in general so i i and i had a I had a love for photography at that time, and it just kind of morphed into um, motion picture photography, which is just, you know, lots of pictures all at once. So, so right. um, yeah, I, I learned about the, how to make a movie, how, how to do sound, how to do video, or not video, but film, actual film. And it made me interested in the me- just the media in general. And gave me an insight into how things work in Hollywood because you, it, so people go out and they have big film studios, sound stages, and they they put on quite a production. And there's there's a reason they spend millions, if not billions, of dollars producing these films for for the public to consume because it's a, a form of mind control. You can you you can set up the tone of the culture. It's like Plato in in the Republic used to talk about how music was so important to the republic that you'd have to even ban certain types of modes of music in a in a in a good good healthy culture because otherwise you'll promote violence you'll promote degeneracy and it needs to be controlled in society and that's where we're at right now we have out of control media because but at the same time with new new media communication, we can do podcasts and and expose these things. So it's you know it's a double edged sword in a way. I'm looking over at the uh, Rockfin chat room and Hemp Carr has had he's was talking about Lloyd Jowers and the MLK uh, Martin Luther King case, uh, which is true. I want to say uh, good to see you over there. I'm glad somebody's watching in Rockfin. I know most of the time I don't pay attention to that chat because it's hard for me to bring up. <clears throat> I just uh, you go with the YouTube one. Uh, but yeah, Martin Luther King, they, they was the Jowers trial. The media barely reported it. And uh, John Barber, again, has, has done work on that as well. And he's the one that alerted me to the fact that, you know, there's there's a, there were two different nurses in the hospital where he was at who claimed that he was alive when he got to the hospital and that he was smothered to death with a pillow by one of the head doctors there. And they named the doctor who never sued them. So you know, have you have you seen that in any of your media? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I heard that. I think I heard John saying that because I I follow John too. I love, I love John. John's oh, he's, John is cool. He's I, I do want to talk to him someday. So I, I got to put a good, to... good word in for me. I was just listening I, to his album. He made an album. I think it was '65. It's called yeah. it's Tough to Be White. Tough to be white. Yeah. It's tough to be white. It was funny. 
No, just John Barber came from. It's just it's unbelievable. I'm one of his best friends. He's one of my. He's the most gratifying friendship I've ever had. He's old enough to be my dad, but he's he's uh, he's got the energy and the enthusiasm of a teenager. But the, that album you're talking about, I think Neil Simon wrote the the liner notes to that. I know Dick Gregory wrote the liner notes to one of his other albums. So this guy knew everybody. He was Frank Sinatra's personal writer. So the fact that he's uh, he's relegated to talking to the likes of me. <laughs> It's amazing. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm very. Uh, very yeah, I, I lived with my grandfather up until he, he died. Um, it wasn't last year, the year before that. But he lived with me for about 10 years and, and he died at 93. And I got to learn a lot about the past generation that I, I, I'm blessed that I was able to spend that time with him because I don't think most people do that these days. They don't have that yeah. extended family knowledge mm-hmm. where they get to see grandpa off in his last years and, and learn, learn the knowledge and wisdom that they have despite their failings. You know, not everybody's perfect. You know, my mm-hmm. grandpa wasn't perfect and he did some things and it's not, you know, we, you have that chance to forgive and, and reconcile with them and, I know John. Yeah, he's he's an octogenarian, and you know we all are gonna get there. Someday. Oh, he's ninety now, so that's what whatever. He? Yeah, new, whatever oh, wow. non whatever they call it for ninety. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and that that's 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 great. I mean, uh, and that but like I said, he's got wisdom there that you're not gonna get again. Once, no, he's once it's it's. I mean, he's he's a connection to a to a completely uh, another world entirely born before world war ii i mean just born in the great depression just you know it's uh that's a completely different world but i gotta say you know you you i write a lot about family dysfunction and uh, i wrote the american loneliness phenomenon which i still think is one of the best things i've written that's why i have it pinned on my substack page and if you don't follow me in substack you should donaldjeffries.substack.com called i protest just like this show, it's the only place I'm not being shadow banned on the internet. So it's the only place I'm being allowed to grow my audience there. So please subscribe to me if you're not. And uh, but uh, this is highly unusual. It sounds to me like your entire family gets along. You have 15 siblings, and you all get along. There's no, there's no feuds oh, or anything. Oh, oh, Donald, I could get into, I could get into the dirt if you wanted to, but. You know, we all families have problems, and yeah, mine, they do. mine have some <laughs> unique problems, and I, okay. I'd say a lot of it is uh, can be forgiven. So as long as as long as uh, you know, we we talk to each other. It's just that's the important part. Well, that's don't great. cut off you, communication <clears throat> with your family. You're very unusual in that regard. Uh, Deborah Wheeler wants it. The wonderful Deborah Wheeler has been so supportive of me, and uh, is Riley my my golden retriever's biggest fan. Uh, Deborah Willis says, uh, please ask Patrick where he sees this country in two years. I see it getting better. I hope it gets better because we can talk to each other. And, and we, you know, I, I see people, I see the mainstream becoming less important, uh, but they're also going to get more desperate. And we have an opportunity to create our own media. We have, like we're doing right now. This is, this is amazing that we can do this. And is some people something people only dreamed of back in the day and you only had few sources of information a lot of times oh, but you I, to... go ahead no go ahead, no, go ahead. oh yeah I, I see see I, i'm catholic so i see hope because i don't think it's hopeless like people think well we need a we need a, a new uh, rebellion and uh, or not a rebellion because that's what they called the civil war but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> 
where you separate the states mm-hmm. and start something new. I don't think that's Secession. necessary. Secession, yeah, yeah. Right. I think as a Catholic, we already have dioceses all throughout this country where we already have our, at the parish level, at the church level, where you go and you, you're with everybody on Sunday and you see those people. And then when you go out of there, you have a connection, a network of people that you can in your community that you can go to and they're not going to be perfect and you're going to have you're going to you can if you go in there with the attitude that i'm looking for problems you're going to find problems with any place you go but that's already been done though that footwork's already been done there are churches everywhere so that's where i'm coming from i'm a catholic but that's i I know it's different protestants are in a worse situation and uh i'm a catholic too and and, and, what what uh because because of the erosion of the morals in this country those those different groups have had problems that catholics are kind of immune from because the doctrine doesn't change we don't we have a, a structure of bishops that and priests you know that are there to to be the safeguard the sentinels of the culture and they're they're derelict a lot of times and because they follow the mainstream media the covid thing is a perfect example of that mm-hmm. where you have mm-hmm. people, priests saying oh you got to wear a mask and stand six feet apart and here we're going no to saran wrap the no one said you know it's crazy crazy going on so what are your thoughts as a Catholic? Um, I mean, I'm a fallen Catholic. I still consider myself a Catholic, but I haven't been to Mass in a long time. And uh, But both my kids were raised Catholics. They're full Catholics. You know, they're up, up through confirmation, so they can make their own decisions. But uh, what what is your view? I mean, the Catholic Church has been under fire so much and through the culture, and you have this... Uh, this perception that all priests are raping altar boys and they're all pedophiles. And, and there's a lot of really uh, nasty stuff that's out there about the Catholic church. How, how do you uh, see that? I mean, obviously we, we I, think that's a I campaign to, to do it. I try to come down. I try to find out what the truth is. Like, you know, when that happened, where, where that was really getting exposed about these pedophile priests, I was concerned, you know, I'd look into that and find out what's going sure. on. And there's, E. Michael Jones did a lot of good work on that too, exposing how the Anti-Defamation League yeah. is using lawyers to go after Catholic priests, printing their names in papers by the hundreds, yeah, showing their pictures, and then coming out later at the little article correction, like, oh, none of these people never went to court and it was proven yeah. innocent. And I think what was happening there, and this is what he draws to the conclusion, when they were going to amp up the war in Afghanistan and Iraq is when this was happening. And the ADL, and the, you know, they, they really want to have that war with Iraq because Saddam Hussein was lobbing missiles into Tel Aviv. And he was an enemy. He, he'd been their ally, but then he turned on them. Yeah. And just like I'd say Gaddafi was a similar situation. It's like they're friends with them and then until they're not useful anymore or they turn oh, on well, them. And, well, and John, John Baskelin, he's another Catholic. He said he's been Catholic for 34 years, but he thinks it's all corrupt. And uh, they've been they've been hiding pedophiles for decades and decades. I think personally that uh, the reason it would to whatever extent the I think it's been exaggerated, but <clears throat> to whatever extent that terrible problem exists, I think is because of what I think is kind of an inhuman uh, 
uh, mandate that priests can't marry a vow of celibacy. I, I think, you know, I think it's, it's it's really hard to be celibate. And I think that, don't you think that that probably contributes to this? I don't think so. I think a lot of priests can handle it because they're, you know, they're, they're unique people. Not everybody can handle it. Not no. everybody's a leader, born leader either. And not every, not everybody can handle it. In the And we, we don't necessarily exclude married men from the priesthood, especially in the East. Like there are the Eastern Rite Catholics in places mm -hmm. like Belarus, Ukraine, where they practice the Orthodox. Yeah, the Greek Orthodox and everything. Priests. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah they they call them the Uniates as kind of like a derogatory term because they're they're friendly with Rome. And I actually my first exposure with the Eastern Rites was in Rome. I had a friend who was in the seminary at the Vatican, at the North American College. Which has an interesting name, by the way. Now that you make me mention, now, now that you mention it, it was called the PNAC, hmm. Pontifical North American College. And there's there's that PNAC, which is the New American Century crowd. You know, it has that same acronym. But uh, I went there, and I I one day he said, "Go down to this place. It's the Oriental Pontifical University." And I went there, and it's. It was completely different than the Catholic, the normal Latin Rite Catholic mass like we have here in America, typically mm -hmm. in, in the churches. It was the Byzantine, they call it the Byzantine Rite. Yeah. It's more what Brother Nathaniel is used to, you know, in that in that tradition. They have a different set of vestments, different traditions, but they follow the same theology of the Trinity. So that which makes a Christian a Christian. And but certainly, certainly the. Uh... The priesthood. The the the, uh, the the church, the Catholics are, are under attack as is Christianity, and that's you know what you you see. And I want I go back to that Taylor Swift and the uh, and whatever Taylor Swift is supposed to be, but uh, she certainly hangs around with some, some people. I, is it Spice? Maybe somebody in the chat room is something Ice Spice or something. I, I never heard Jason Whitlock again turned turn me on to her. Well, he she played makes a it, She makes it easy. To say things like she's the granddaughter of Anton LaVey by yeah. some of the actions that she does. I mean, if, yeah. even if she isn't, she she's in the spirit of that. Yeah, because this this girl is sitting right next to her, and this you talk about a no talent piece of crap. I mean, you yeah, watch she's her. Not she's, even, she's no, not I'm not, I'm not talking about Taylor. Swift. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Taylor Swift. I'm talking about this Ice Spice or whatever her name is is sitting there. She's got an upside down cross on, making all these satanic signs. She's obviously a Satanist or promoting a Satanism. And she's got a hit song out that Jason Whitlock, I would have never known if he hadn't played. And it's, as far as like, it's about farting, I think. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. You have to see it to believe it. And this is just an obnoxious creature, Ice Spice or something. I don't, maybe people can tell me her real name. I don't know. But she's sitting right next to Taylor Swift there. Paul McCartney's in the booth. What is Paul McCartney? Paul McCartney, you know, the Beatles. Does, does he okay. like songs about farts? You mentioned farts Paul and, McCartney. You know, yeah. Paul McCartney, during uh, uh, she he was part of this halftime Super Bowl after 9/11, yeah. getting everybody amped up to go to war with Iraq. Mm -hmm. You know, no wonder people like Jim Fetzer come up with ideas that he was oh, yes. killed yeah. In, yeah. in in 66 yeah. or 67. Yeah, because he or 66. 66, yeah. Yeah, but um, because it changed, it went from we can work it out, we can yeah. work it out, <laughs> to, to like live and let die. Yeah. You know? it, yeah. it, it went from that culture to, to one of pro-war, pro-pro, yeah. you know, do whatever. 
Well, I always loved Lennon. Mm -hmm. Lennon was my guy, and I, McCartney. I've always, uh, you know, I just I, yeah. Well, he's, whether he's it, the one that came out and said that the that the show business is part of the Jewish religion. That was his big yeah. quote to the New yeah. York Times. King, but to be King fair to McCartney, to be fair to McCartney, uh, Mark Lane. He was good friends with Mark Lane, and he uh, he actually wrote a soundtrack for Rush to Judgment, the film that Mark Lane had and was suppressed really? for a long time. Yeah, well, he wrote this. And, I, I, I think there's hope for people. I don't. I, I really yeah, don't, yeah, they're really because it doesn't fit in with the rest of him. But he uh, he was apparently very interested in it, and Mark Lane had a lot of conversations with him on the phone, and he. They decided not to go with his soundtrack. I don't know why they didn't have a soundtrack for it, but um, that's what I'd heard. But I, I don't know, you know, much uh, beyond that. Other than that, I don't, you know, I just well, think he's... William Cooper used to say the biggest disease destroying America is stupidity. And a mm -hmm. lot of it is just, you know, people are, people are stupid. And it's... And we've gotten a lot, I've gotten a lot stupider over the yeah. last 20, since he died, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one thing about the media. Like, now we have control to the point where they can get everyone's eyeballs glued on something. Whereas before, it was you know all over the place. You had mom and pop radio stations here and there, and then Clear Channel buys them all up, and then they throw on Rush Limbaugh and all of them, and it just becomes one monolithic, you know. Um, right, and he, and he was a uh, monopoly thing going on. Rush Limbaugh was kind of the. Uh the epitome of how the uh the right was co-opted you know in terms of uh they made it safe for people like sean hannity and people like that you have people like pat buchanan that was were not welcomed you know was not in that crowd who was way more honest and now you have tucker carlson whatever anybody believes me he's certainly talking a different game and I, you know people uh tell me all the time yeah he, maybe he is i'm not saying he could be what, whatever he is i don't know all i know is what, he, what he's saying i agree with 90 some percent of the time so i think he's different than what you find on the right right the i thought i i actually think he's good in the sense that he went to go to russia to kind of yeah. show people hey these people aren't bloodthirsty animals like you think they are mm -hmm. like, like they're portrayed they're i've been to russia i was over there for 2016 during the the debates that they mm. were having for the election i was over there for three months what was it like? What, what was it, is it, uh, what's it? Because some people say, hey, you know, you have more freedom in Russia than you do here. You kind of do, but there's a kind of freedom that you get when you go to a foreign country anyway, because they don't speak your language and you don't speak their language right, right. so much. So it's like you think it's free, but you're not talking to the people so much. So you don't mm -hmm. know necessarily. But yeah, I would say I would say it is a bit freer. It is freer. It kind of reminded me of growing up in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s early 90s here in america it's just like kind of like more of a you know it's pot they've got more poverty but that poverty gives them a freedom that that is you know gives them true freedom well somebody talked about their price like tucker went to the grocery store and their prices people point out well their incomes are so much lower but the prices of the food and everything are so much lower that they've shown that it's a much smaller percentage of their lower income than we pay here yeah, bread's cheap there. You're talking about tens of cents rather than dollars mm -hmm. at that point. And the bread's better. <laughs> it tastes better. There's like yeah. flavor. You you go there and there's flavor in foods. And, and, and you, here you get prepackaged foods that lack that flavor. And I'm sure the people probably look better. I'm, I'm guessing they're... They do. The women look much better. <laughs> oh, the men yes. are more healthy. Men, yeah. men you know, I wouldn't want to take, take on their military. Oh, Because all the yeah. men have to serve a year. 
in yeah. the military, and that really forms their character. And that was really a lot of their culture. You go everywhere, they've got gymnasiums, outdoor mm -hmm. gymnasiums set up so you can exercise yeah. everywhere. Everywhere that you know, even in, even in the apartment complexes where they stuff people in like sardine cans, where they got the Bauhaus, ugly mm -hmm. architecture, soulless stuff that came from Berlin. Yeah, they don't but, they don't uh, supersize it like we do here. Houston says no GMOs in Russia. Yeah, P Putin supposedly uh, issued a decree that no uh, GMOs are allowed in Russia. I mean, that alone is better than anybody, anything that anybody's doing here. Didn't he, didn't he also put out an arrest warrant for any Rothschild that showed up in Russia? I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I would. I've heard. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it because they really don't like him right now. And yep, he's got fight, right. He's like, he's kind of like Trump, the right hand. What are, what is what are your thoughts on Trump? Well, I voted for him in 2016 on the on Me the too. on the Me hope too. that he could change things better, and he was an out, um, outside of the normal politics, in the sense that he, the way he was talking was bold and brazen, and he was gonna. Uh, fight for American jobs. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, I went up to Duluth for for one of his his things, and uh, I got to shake his hand. And I noticed a lot of the people there. Someone pointed it out to me. Look at all the people in work boots <laughs> that are standing around in the crowd. And it's, like, it's because yeah. you know we're not getting paid fair wages in this country, and nope. and we've tolerated it because of our our easy access to. Uh, um, uh, Things like pornography and, yeah, and yeah. electronic toys sure. yeah. can easily distract ourselves. And uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's like it's like you can have all the illicit sex that you want, but don't ask yeah. for a higher wage. Right. You can be gay. You can do what you want to do. You, you know, but don't ask for a higher wage. And then, no, can't and do that. And that's like that's Michelle the... Foucault and all those that brought us to that point. Yeah, Sam Bodie's tree talks about, but two hundred fifty bucks, he can get a nice apartment in Thailand. Uh, the USA, you can rent a room for six hundred dollars. I don't even know how many rooms you can rent for. Not in my area, you can't. I think rooms around here are like nine hundred dollars. I, I could be wrong. And I don't it's know. in a rustic area and smaller towns. You know, thousands, a few th thousand people. You probably could, but it's not going to be anything more than a small room type thing, a studio or yeah. And it's a, and that's why people and this is why the con the conservatives are no answer because they are still living. I, and I talk to them all the time, and uh, they're just. These boomers, they're living in uh, the 1970s and the 1980s, and they think the market is the way it was. Oh, fast food jobs, are you're not supposed to support a family. Well, of course not. But the problem is sometimes that's the best you can get. And, uh, you know, for, for average people, and they, they're not paying a living wage. And that's I know that's a Bernie Sanders term, but uh, every every wage well, back you, in. You, you can be a political heretic and agree with people when they're right. That's a, that's a good, that's nothing wrong with that. No. And I, and I, you know, I talk about, you know, growing up in the 1960s and 1970s where every, I, I knew every father I knew, I mean, there, they had lots of, you know, like they worked at Montgomery wards or Sears, like at behind the counter or something. They weren't management and uh, they lived in nice single family homes. They drove a nice car. Their wives didn't have to work and they had as many kids as they wanted. And that was the reality that every pretty much any job you could you could you know you work in a gas station, and you could live independently. Uh, you could work in a retail, any of that stuff. It back, I, I tell the story of a, a guy I knew that was a cashier at Safeway in the early 1980s. It was making seventeen dollars an hour then. That's the equivalent of one hundred and twelve thousand dollars in today's in, in money. <laughs> 
And to that same store, Safeway, pays their cashiers less than that now to start, about $15 an hour, if that. So and so this the conservatives say, well, you know, you you give uh, you give these McDonald's workers, you make them fifteen dollars an hour, you're gonna pay fifty dollars for a Big Mac. Well, okay, well, how how come Safeway could pay the equivalent of hundred and twelve thousand dollars a year to cashiers then when their food prices are obviously a fraction of what they are now? So how do you, how do you, they can't explain that. And in McDonald's, as I wrote in my book, Survival of the Risks, I have all these examples. McDonald's had some old guy that they were paying many millions to, to go to two or three meetings a year. He was retired in his eighties. How come that didn't make their prices go up? So I, I just, I just, the conservatives are no answer, especially on, like I look at these people like Matt Walsh, who I, I like on cultural issues, but whenever he talks about economics, man, you know, they, Conservatives don't want a minimum wage. They don't want to pay anybody anything. They, they'd like to bring back child labor. So that's why this left-right paradigm is phony. Well, they believe in usury. State-sponsored yes. usury is yes, what we've do. got. And yeah. that's that's our problem. And that that's led to the way it is now. And then the, and people just go along with it. because And usury used to, as you know, us. usury used to be considered a mortal sin by the Catholic Church for centuries. Still is. Yeah, well, Still is even even Pope Francis have, has put out encyclicals against usury. Has he? Okay, well, that's, that's... these things don't get attention because why would they? What, no what benefit does it to? Well, it's to one more reason for them to make fun of the Catholic Church, boy. If they're, you're going against usury, what? You know, yeah. you're not only raping altar boys now. You're going against usury too. What? Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> it seems contradictory would... because Dante said in the seventh circle of hell, usurers and sodomites. Are there? You know that that's where user the seventh mm. circle of hell, and you look in the inferno. That's they go together. Yeah. They they're both trying to make something potent that isn't. They're trying to reproduce when they're they can't. Like money, mm. you put coins in a in a drawer, and you open it after two months. Nothing. It's still coins in the jar, same amount. Mm -hmm. You put two. You put mice in a drawer, and you pull it pull out after two months and you've got many mice because they reproduce <laughs> yeah, that's and, right and it's the same thing with the the gay agenda so-called gay that i hate the fact that they stole that word because happiness means yeah means you're yeah. a just person and they yeah. they're not just but because they don't reproduce they're not adding to society they're taking away from society they're taking something that God so they have to them. groom they have no yeah, choice they have but to, to groom. groom that's why they're groomers because they yeah they have to. Have you seen? Did you see the? Uh, did John, you see the... John Barber had a joke about that. San Francisco is like, what did he say? He's like, sixty percent Catholics and forty percent gays, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And somehow the gays are growing, or, or great gay numbers are growing, and the Catholic numbers are dwindling. Yeah, that's. Right. Did you see the video uh, from? Spain, I think, it was very sad where they had these. Uh, and again, what, what people talk about the transgender, the transgender thing is it's it's really a gay thing for the most part, because they're when they're talking about the, they're talking about little boys almost exclusively, and uh, they had this parade where they have these uh, these eight nine year old boys parading uh, in skimpy underwear through the streets in some kind of ridiculous parade, all dressed as as girls. And it's like, what, what, you know, what is, what is Spain thinking? I mean, what, and, and I don't, you know, understand it. We have, uh, here we have uh, underage, you know, like uh, uh, young boys that are, uh, that are transgender, of course. So there it's okay. And uh, they're, they're stripping 
they're going in this where you can't get in if you're under 18 or maybe under 21. I don't know what it is now, but you can, if you're a transgender, you can go to, cause I guarantee you if, if that was a little girl, a biological girl that, that, that you would have you, there would be something different raised. And again, it's, that's, I think that's what people are missing the point. This is a twisted thing. And it's all about, uh, it's all about promoting what, as you mentioned, what can't reproduce. So if you can make the girls boys and the boys girls, and if you can kill enough people with the vaccines, hey, you're not going to reproduce. Yeah. Well, Marshall McLuhan, the Canadian professor, uh, yes. said that the medium is the message. Yes, like yes. Books, books are the medium and the message is in the books. So it's it's a similar thing. You know, whoever prints the books controls the what people dwell on. And it's interesting that the we're back to the hunts. The Hunt brothers in the 70s bought up all the silver. Like all, the uncle of Clark, the owner of the team here, mm-hmm. his uncle bought up all the silver, or his uncles bought up yes. the silver market. Yeah. And silver is actually well, is, is a industrial thing. Like Kodak company wouldn't exist without silver. Motion pictures, all of these things won't right. exist without silver, silver nitrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they also, in doing that, cornered the media market because they dictate then who gets the silver, who doesn't. And and that was smart. I mean, these people are smart, and and I don't think they're all doing it of their own accord. I think it's a group behind them, like you say. There's a, you, you, we get these figureheads like Bill Gates and and say H.L. Hunt, the richest men of the world, but they're not the richest men in the world. They're just the people that the media say are the richest men in the world and that they give, you know, our figureheads more or less. And they use them because they're easy to manipulate. It's like a gambler. It's easy to manipulate a gambler because he's always waiting for that next win. They go to the casino thinking, oh, I'm going to make the money. I'm going to do yeah. it this time. And it's like, no, the house always wins. They always get their 5%. <laughs> the games are rigged, just yeah. like football. <laughs> they they rig these things. It's entertainment. They can't. You, you can't. Well, I want you at, at Thanksgiving this year. I want you to bring up the NFL being fixed to your brother. I'd like to hear what he says to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody's done that to him. I maybe I you know I yeah. As a brother, you know, I've, I feel like I I should do more with my brothers and sisters, and I probably should because. But you know, well, you got so many of them, man. You don't have so enough time. Them, How would you be? <laughs> that's gonna be a full time job. Day, Bi-weekly, I could talk to a new one and just talk to them. Jeez, I mean, I can, in every family where you only have a few siblings, uh, well, I haven't talked to him in 10 years, you know, we stopped talking over Trump and all that stuff, but you've got so many there. It's it's amazing that you all are still talking in this age, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, we have our issues with each other and we don't talk over things when we get our hurt feelings, but, you know, there's, like I said, you're dealing with people, people are flawed they're not beyond redemption there's always there's always someone who can ask a penitent sinner is um are good you know it's good it's good to be sorry for what you do there's nothing wrong with saying hey i made a mistake what i did was wrong what i did was evil i i need to change and I'm, i'm willing to take the punishment for it here here do it do it to me do what you need to do but i'm genuinely genuinely sorry for what i've done and as long as you got that you can you can turn things around that's why i'm hopeful you know the next two years the the lady asked and i i think it's hopeful i don't think i it's all in how you look at it you know you if you just 
getting your information from one source every day, day in and day out, you're going to have a bleak attitude of things because that's, you know, you, you dwell on any one thing too much. It's too much. Well, I like your, but your positivity because it's, it's very, it's very hard. I mean, you know, if you listen to me on rents, I mean, I, I struggle to be the optimist in the room because rents is so black billed that, you know, it's like, <laughs> like I try to be the sunny optimist and I'm not good in that role, but uh, you're uh I like the way you uh, you remain upbeat, and you're, you've got a lot of a, a lot of knowledge uh, uh, for for someone as young as you are. You really it's amazing uh, what you know. And uh, you, you 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 talked about um, Money Tree Publishing or whatever is that? Did they Money they Tree publish- Publishing? Yeah, you can go to MoneyTreePublishing.com. That's Dave DeHerry's site, and he 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 helps authors that have a revisionist bent to them. To, right to get things out there you know that, they, no they, else they, really, who else is going to be doing it you got to do it yourself well yeah i mean they're i mean i'm i've been fortunate i i have sky horse for uh, they're going to be publishing my fourth book soon and i'm, I'm very lucky because they're they're a division of simon and schuster and i i never thought they would publish the likes of me but they they specialize in controversial people they publish uh they publish alex jones's book they publish oliver stone roger stone uh uh Woody Allen, you know, people like that, uh, the RFK Jr. So I'm, I'm grateful to be in that company. Uh, and, but uh, you're right. For the most part, we're, we're limited to a couple publishers that we have, but did, did they publish, uh, I'm not even going to say the title cause I don't want to get sued, but did they mm-hmm. title uh, publish the, uh, the book that was banned on Amazon that, that Fetzer wrote about Sandy Hook? Yeah. The Sandy Hook book. Um, yeah. He, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they still. I'm pretty sure they still have it. I don't know. You can go online and get a PDF of it. I I used to. I, Jim gave it away at a certain point. Oh yeah, you know. I think I could. Fence, I think I could but... probably get it if I wanted to. And I he he does. Um, um, Stephanie Sledge, who's been on my show several times, who who work has worked uh, written a lot for Jim Fetzer. She's uh, one of the more underappreciated researchers. She's done great stuff on Sandy Hook. I have her book on that, and she she's the foremost researcher on the the uh, Gabby Giffords shooting which was the first one to open my eyes about and start questioning them all yeah you know because that was just very uh well, we've got a few minutes left i don't i'm gonna would, would anything that we missed that you want to talk about and then i want you to give out whatever you uh links or whatever you want to promote um yeah I, i'll just promote speak free radio for now speakfreeradio.com that because i help i help out there because I, I like what they're doing i you know doc david duke has got a show on there i you know david duke He's on, on Rents' network. Yeah, and I know. The main I'm reason I, I started even listening to David Duke was because he was on Rents. My dad was listening to this guy, Dr. Deagle. Do you know Dr. Deagle? I've heard, yeah, heard, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, Dr. Bill used to go on with Jeff and until they had a falling out. But uh, Jeff, you know, then I started listening to Jeff because my, my dad had a subscription to Rents.com and I, he mm. borrowed me his password, you know, don't tell Jeff. <laughs> I got into the archives and I started listening to Jeff's stuff and I'm like, wow, this guy is interesting. Yeah. And then I listened to his other network shows, you know, he had Stormfront on there and which is a little bit more like um, what uh, Handsome Truth is doing down in Florida, that kind of crowd. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, you had Dr. Duke after that. And I was listening to him. The first time I listened to him was him and Gilad Otzman. Okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of opened my eyes to the Jewish question that I never really would have done on my own. And so I, I'm thankful for David Duke and Gilad Otzman that they were talking at that time, because then it's like, okay, wait, so there's a group that 
you know, I, I go to church and I, I hear about these guys, and it's back in the past, but you, you're telling me that there are people nowadays that are still following that? Because I, 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 I could say I'm, I was kind of naive also. You know, like, William Cooper only goes so far before, you know, he wasn't really that that way so and anyway i don't want to i don't want to press it too much so speakfreeradio.com is what i would say go to and check that out and maybe i'll have a podcast up there someday or do i hope so because you 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 have a lot to say and you 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 have you have a lot of knowledge a lot of great knowledge and you have a a fascinating connection i mean it's not not everybody is related to somebody in the nfl that's pretty amazing and uh i i uh, you know I yeah, things that. in my life, you know, just are coincident, coincidental. A lot of interesting things have happened in my life that make me think that, hey, I'm, I'm unique, and uh, I think God put me here for a reason, and I think I need to just tell people, hey, there's hope for the future. Trust, trust in God. Don't, don't get lonely. Go to church. There are people there. You know, they're not perfect either, but hey, they're people. And loneliness is cured by being with other people. Absolutely. Well, I want to shout out to the chat room here. There's so many people been in there. Uh, Deborah Wheeler, of course, Karen Carpenter, White Wolf. Uh, let me see here. Um, and the, the, the comment right there about depopulation. And yeah. that needs to be broken. You know, stop using contraceptives. If you're a man and a wife, you know, start having babies. You know, yes. Start, start opening. Especially white people. Stop Don't buying be afraid of nonsense. poverty. Don't yes. be afraid of poverty. I went to Russia. People live in more poverty there, and they have they're still living. You can and afford. They're still thriving. You so can don't, afford don't them. Lose hope. William Hale from Australia. Uh, R R W one. Al Skier sixty four. Sam's Bodie's tree. Uh, I'll make sure I make Chris Bucken, of course. Right up his alley today. Douglas Grosh. Tavon Sewell. Your friend Maleficus, Sentius, yeah. JT, uh, John Blatt, Bassaglone. Let's see. I think I got just about everybody. Uh, I don't want to miss anybody. Everyone. Don Lambert, another regular. Okay, I think we got just about everybody. If I missed you, I'm sorry. Thanks, everybody, for listening. So, Patrick Chanel, great guest. You're a fascinating guy. We'll have to talk again. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it'd, it'd be my pleasure to come on again. I'd love that. I Wonderful. Love, thank you for the audience and the questions. I love that. Well, I appreciate that. So, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to I Protest. You won't hear any closing music. I'm ending the stream. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Same time, same channel, 5 p.m. Eastern. Take care. Thanks for listening to I Protest.